0: Welcome to your Sunday Reader. Today we'll be discussing the readings for the third Sunday in Easter,
1: 2010. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the captain and the court officers had brought the apostles in and made them stand before the Sanhedrin, the high priest questioned them. We gave you strict orders, did we not, to stop teaching in that name? Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and want to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles said in reply, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus, though you had him killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to grant Israel repentance and forgiveness of sins. We are witnesses of these things, as is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Sanhedrin ordered the apostles to stop speaking in the name of Jesus and dismiss them. So they left the presence of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they had been found worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me.
0: I will extol you, O Lord, for you drew me clear and did not let my enemies rejoice over me. O Lord, you brought me up from the netherworld. You preserved me from among those going down into the pit.
1: I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me.
0: Sing praise to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger lasts but a moment, a lifetime his goodwill. At nightfall weeping enters in, but with the dawn rejoicing.
1: I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me.
0: Hear, O Lord, and have pity on me. O Lord, be my helper. You changed my mourning into dancing. O Lord my God,
1: forever will I give you thanks. I will praise you, Lord, for you have rescued me. A reading from the book of Revelation. I, John, looked and heard the voices of many angels who surrounded the throne and the living creatures and the elders. They were countless in number, and they cried out in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth and in the sea, everything in the universe cry out, To the one who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor, glory and might, forever and ever. The four living creatures answered, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. At that time... Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. S- Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We also will come with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore. But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered, No. He said to them, Cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from the shore, only about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on shore, they saw charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore, full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, and in like manner the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lamb. He said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed that Jesus had said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Amen, amen, I say to you, when you were younger, You used to dress yourself and go where you wanted, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. He said this signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God, and when he had said this, he said to him, follow me. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Hello and welcome to your Sunday reader. I'm Father Brian, and I'm here today with Father Mark. Hello, Father Brian. How are you doing? Good, and how are we're in, you? we're actually in the same room too. A lot of times when we record these things, we're we're not in the same room, and it's good to see you again. And you too. And I'm glad you're able to come to my large office. Yeah. And, <laughs> it, for those who have never seen my office, it's uh, Mark and I are about all that fit in the office. Yeah, and that's there's true. There's not much else. The desk and us. That's right. Anyway, but I'm glad that you could make it here and everything. Um, what hit you from the readings today? Anything uh, in particular or uh, anything that you wanted to mention or anything that struck you?
1: Well, as you know, you know, I, you and I this week are at our uh, convocation here with our bishop, and uh, our speaker at the convocation is uh, Ron Rollheiser, yes. and uh, hearing him talk about deeper discipleship and generative discipleship has been very, very interesting. And uh, in light of the gospel, looking at it and seeing how, in um, some of the things that he's been saying to us about how following Christ, you know, or just the way that we can get into a mindset as, as humans, um, I have to do everything. It's about how I accomplish things and do things. It's all my own willpower that I do it. And how he has said, Roheiser has said a few times, that it's really only by the grace of God that we do things. You know, that it's God's grace that calls us. It's God's grace that continues to uh, nourish us and sustain us and energize us. And I kind of look at that in light of the uh, gospel reading and see the, you know, the disciples, you know, after the resurrection have gone back out and gone back to their old way of life of fishing, and they don't catch anything. And then it's when Christ is present and tells them to cast their nets over the boat again on the right side, and they'll find something, and then they, they have this, you know, plenteous kind of uh, catch that they have. And so really it's with that, that call, that presence of Christ that really helped them do what they were supposed to do. And I, I think that it's the same thing for us and any one of us, you know, in our, you know, uh, life as followers and disciples of Christ, that we, uh, we have to recognize that we only do this by really with the grace of God.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot there's so many things in this this one reading here. I mean it's a repeat of the first time when Jesus encounters the disciples in the boats and tells them, Yeah, you know, they haven't caught anything. He says, Well lower your nets one more time, they're reluctant, they do it. What's interesting though, that I find with some of this a lot of interesting things. The first thing is that Peter's response the first time is that, depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Yes. And Peter's response this time is to jump in the water and go right to him. Yes. Um, And I think that that shows, you know, the transformation that's occurred. So even though they've gone back to their old way of life, like you said, there's something there that's changed in them. Mm -hmm. They're not exactly like they were at the beginning when it's, depart from me. And even Ron was talking about that in our convocation a little bit, and he called it kind of a false piety there. And this time, the true piety where it's, I see him and I need to rush to him. Mm-hmm. I know I need him. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want him to leave me. It's not a false thing like, you know, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. But it's I need to be with you, you know, I'm right. excited to be with you. And then, of course, um, one of the things, too, is there's this 153 fish. Now, what I've read is that in the biblical mindset, there were 153 known types of fish. And they catch 153 fish here and the nets don't tear. It's kind of symbolic there of that the the nets being the church and it can hold everybody without creating a tear mm-hmm. in the nets here. And so the church again is going to be able to haul everybody in. Of course I said it earlier to jest. I said it's the argument against cloning. You know? yeah. if, you, if you're if you're out there and you've got a clone, you, only one of you can come in. But no, but um but no it's that sense of all of us are welcomed into this, or all of us can be held in this giant net here, um, and it's not going to tear the net to have one or to have every type of fish
1: or every type of person. Which you know, when when you think about that in terms of our you know of terms of uh, discipleship, that um, discipleship is different. So maybe in uh, a normal way of fishing, 153 fish would have torn the nets. Mm-hmm. But because this is something different, and it's in the context of Christ and his disciples and call to ministry, it's it's going to be different. You know, it's just interesting to see that as even though it would be in the normal activity of life might be something um, disastrous or hard to deal with, it's not in this case.
0: Right, right. Although it could be hard to deal with, but it's something that that the net can hold. The net can hold it. Um, Because sometimes it is hard for us to deal with our the parishioners sure. sitting next to us or the pew deck, you know, sure. in front or behind us. And, and of course, we all experience that. But the church is big enough to hold all of us in it. And that's really important for us to uh, remember that it's not just an elite group of people, but it's for everybody. And of course, one of the things, too, that um, Father Rollheiser has been talking about is the whole issue of scandal. One of the things he mentioned to us as priests is that as priests, uh, we carry with us all of the priesthood, both the good and the bad, and everything that came before us, the good Mm -hmm. and the bad. And as Christians, certainly we do that as well. We are the church, you know, founded on the apostles who followed Christ, but also founded on the apostles who denied Christ, too. Mm -hmm. And all that's part of our history as to who we are. And then everything right through, you know, we've had great people, we've had saints in our church, we've had sinners in our church, and all of that forms, you know, who we are as Christians and we have to bring all of that with us and, and embrace kind of all of that. It's not just in the good times. We see that in the first reading here when the apostles are, um, go to the, before the Sanhedrin and the uh, Sanhedrin is lecturing them and telling them to stop preaching in this name. And what do they do? They're rejoicing at the fact that they've been found worthy to suffer dishonor mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of the name. They're rejoicing even the fact when things aren't going well. I mean, that's not something I'm good at doing. I can admit that fully. When things don't go well for me, I get depressed and everything. Um, Even if I, even if it's, I know what I did was right or something. Sometimes you can feel bad about doing the right thing, or, you know, people don't react because sometimes what's right isn't popular or something like that. But the fact that we're meant to suffer dishonor, I think that's one of the things we forget. We always tend to focus on Christ is supposed to make us so happy and our lives. are supposed to be wonderful once peaceful. we've accepted Christ.
1: <laughs> Everything's supposed to be peaceful. That's right.
0: And that's not always the case. There's that sense of scandal that comes with following Christ. You know, There's the scandal of the cross.
1: Well, he, he even said that, uh, I think, today in, in one of his uh, presentations, that we l- always live in the tension. And I, I think that's so true. Even in the church, that's how my own personal um, sometimes uh, take on all of this in the church is. That the church exists in tension, and it's what draws us into new life. The tension of you know left and right, and right and wrong, and mm-hmm. you know people disagreeing and people struggling, and that that tension moves us forward into new life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's well, it's something that we always, like you said, it's something we always face, and and I think part of that exists just for the the reason that um, you know we're not in heaven yet, right? right, right. We're still on this earth and while we're on this earth, we are limited uh, very severely. And as limited beings, we make mistakes and we have different ideas about how to do things. And we're in an imperfect world that's marred by sin. You know, when we reach heaven, hopefully that shouldn't be happening anymore. That should be, you know, all of us in in some kind of harmony there. But there is that sense, like you said, that that tension that we live in um, between, you know, how do we address things? Um, How do we handle different issues facing the church, and sometimes people coming from, you know, just similar principles, I mean, can still come up with two different ways of the best way to approach this problem uh, in our society. So, I mean, you can take any problem in our society that we have, and you can find there might be different ways of saying, how should we solve this, even though we're both saying the issue here is we need to address problem X, you know, whatever that might be, Um, and there could be a lot of different ways of, of going about that, and sometimes we need both that's one of the beauties of the church is that we encompass those 153 fish Mm -hmm. there's 153 different ways to do things and sometimes even more than that and (laughs) and so it's something that we're always living in that tension of you know sometimes people get very opinionated they want to do it this way they've always done it this way or this is the way they feel is going to be the best way to go forward and someone else has a different idea that's completely going in the opposite direction and we're in this tension of which is the right thing to do. Both of them have the right intention. Both of them are trying to solve the same issue. What do we do? Um, But I think that, as you said, we live in that tension. Um, And sometimes it's a matter of we do both. Uh, Sometimes it's a matter of we do neither. Sometimes there's compromise. All kinds of different
1: things. And those days that come along that really can challenge us, you know, at the end of the Gospel reading, we see where Jesus says to Peter three times, do you love me? You know, maybe it's not such a bad thing sometimes that we have to hear the same question over and over again because there may be those days when discipleship is just very challenging that when the question comes along do you love me yeah all right fine i do you know well then you got to listen to the question again Mm -hmm. and really listen to your answer and listen to the question again and really think about your answer before you really commit yourself because like i said it can be very challenging so you know even though Peter's being asked the question three times and we might think it's redundant i don't think it is at all i think it's because it's jesus trying to make sure that Pete, peter really understands the question and his answer to that question
0: right well and it says the third time he was distressed that jesus said it to him a third time sure. um and again it's kind of saying you know there's that uncomfortability there's that that scandal like why is he asking why does he keep asking me this yeah. and each time it begs you to go deeper into the question if i ask you a question you answer it and i said ask you the same question again you're like okay well let me give you a different explanation of that the third time you're sitting here saying why is my message not being communicated is it um is it in me now and and i think that's 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 it right there and then of course this also parallels the three denials that um that peter had of, of jesus as well so it's kind of that that healing of that but i think you're right that that third time you're asked that question or even sometimes the second time it becomes a little unnerving because it means that I want you to think about the answer a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, give me a deeper answer than what you just gave me. Let me go deeper. It's almost and, like Jesus
1: might be saying, you know, the question could be, are you sure? Yes. You know? <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. And, and, and that's, I think that's why it becomes disconcerting is um, because on some level, too, we all, none of us have that perfect love for God. Right. You know, all of us have some kind of <clears throat> imperfection in our love for God, and we we're kind of forced to look at that, too. Right. And again, I think that that's right there. I think when asking it third time, you know, Peter must be sitting here thinking about the three denials and saying, yes, I love you. And that's in the back of his mind is I denied him three times. Yes. And yes. I told him that before, right. right before I denied him, I told him that I would never deny him. Right. So, um, so all of that's there. Well, Father Mark, we're coming to the end of our time on the podcast, but I thank you for joining me this week. And. Um, It's been great seeing you again at Convocation, and great to have you on the podcast. And hopefully we'll have you on again, and our listeners will be back to join us next week on your Sunday Reader. Have a good week. God bless.